Amen. If you have your Bibles this evening and you would, uh, open them or to the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew, as we are preaching through the book of Matthew. And um, tonight I, uh, I want to talk to you about um, what motivates you. Uh, some people are very motivated, some people are not. In uh, my Sunday school class this morning, um, we always get donuts, and, um, and uh, one of the young ladies in our Sunday school class said, I even brought her one that she likes, that it's always the kind that she likes, and she said, I can't eat that. I'm, uh, I'm meeting with a nutritionist and starting exercising, and I said, oh, well, do you want one anyway? That's the kind of friend I am, and, uh, and uh, she said, uh, no, no, I don't, I'm I've got this motivation, I'm, I'm going home, I want to, you know, all those things. And I said, well, that's, that's wonderful, you know. And, uh, and so she's motivated to be healthy, and um, I, uh, I'm not. So I proceeded to eat mine, and, and any donut I could find throughout the building after you all left, I nibble on all of them. Um, some of you, when you first met the person that you're mar- married to today, you thought, boy... She's the one. He's the one. And I'm going to do whatever I can to catch her attention. I, uh, I even told my wife when I first met her that I was exercising. And uh, I even ran three times to try to prove that it was true. And, um, and that's, that's a true statement, isn't it, uh, dear? She's back there. I, I tried to act like I was healthy and and I really wasn't. But I was motivated to convince her that she ought to step to my level, right? And uh, have a weak moment, whatever you call it, to, to give me the time or day. And so that motivated me, right? I, I can never forget. I remember I was driving a 1992 Bonneville, I think it was. And it was, it was, I think my parents had had it, and I was driving it, and I went out and bought a new vehicle, didn't it? It was in a pickup truck or something to try to impress her to think she's not going to want some guy driving an old Bonneville. Little did I know it's the best car, best motor ever made. But anyway, you know, that was in my mind. I, I'll never forget. I think I bought hair gel for the first time in four or five years. I uh, bought clothes that actually looked like someone in the early 20s would wear instead of my 60-year-old man outfits. You know, I thought, I've got to be motivated to impress her. And... Um, and did she not know how low she was stupid to marry me? Amen. But uh, I was motivated. And so many times I could ask you that. What motivates you? If you're a parent, what motivates you to provide for your family and children? I don't want my kids to starve. Maybe when you were in college, you were motivated to get this degree so that you could get this job. Maybe you're motivated at work so that you can get this promotion. What motivates us is really what drives us. It's what pushes us in the direction of our life. And here in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord has been um, correcting them for having the wrong motivation. And we looked last week about how we shouldn't do good to please other people. We shouldn't uh, pray just because we want things. But tonight we're going to continue on this theme of what motivates you. And tonight... My, my challenge to you is to evaluate your life, not someone else, not your neighbors, but Lord, what motivates me to be and to do the things that I do? 
And I believe that if we'll do that, the Spirit of God who reveals all truth to us will show us what motivates you and I. And so tonight, if you would pray with me, and we're going to jump right in. Father, I thank you for the wonderful privilege to, to be in your house again tonight. Lord, I, I thank you for people who want to worship you. Lord, who are here this evening watching online. And Lord, I pray that if this pandemic has taught us one thing, Lord, if nothing else, how special it is to worship among your people together. Father, I pray that you'd be with your messenger tonight. Lord, you know, his, you know my sinfulness, you know my selfishness. And Father, I pray that you'd open my mouth to the things that you once said and close it to the things that you don't. Father, I thank you for what you've done here today, and I pray that you would work in a mighty way tonight. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I would be a terrible person if I didn't tell you what happened today after church. After church, I was shaking hands as people were leaving, and uh, a young boy came up to me today, and his mom said he has something he wants to tell you. So I sat down there in the window seal and said, what is it? And he said, I got saved during the altar call. And I thought, praise the Lord. And then I started thinking, but I was up here during the altar call. And he didn't want to come forward, but he took his dad's hand, went out into the lobby, and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And so uh, David and Carmen Wiggins, who sent the card today, who fell and broke her hip three weeks ago, but who was in church two Sundays ago, it was their son. And so parents, don't let the things of this world keep you from coming to church because she's coming with a broken hip and uh, the Lord saved their son this morning. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. And if we ever get over the fact that God saves sinners, I hope that you'll change the name on the door uh, because we don't need that mentality when we get over the fact that God saves sinners. Sinners, And so I'm hoping not only do we go from two baptisms over the next two weeks to many, many more. And so uh, we're thankful for what God is doing. But tonight I want to show you three things that you should focus on if you're going to let God evaluate your motives. First is this. You should not be swayed by the opinions of men. If the opinions of other people is what motivates us, you will never know who you are. You see, if you are only trying to figure out who you are based on other people's opinions of you, you will never have the thing that we talked about this morning, integrity. Because when you're around your liberal friends, you'll be a liberal. When you're around your conservative friends, you'll be a conservative. When you're around your Christian friends, you'll be a Christian. When you're around your heathen friends, you'll be a heathen. When you're around people who want wealth, you'll try to impress. When you're around people that have nothing, you will have nothing. You see, motivation cannot come from the opinions of others. And he talks specifically here about something that we are called by God to do, starting in verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward 
you openly. I was reading a commentary put out by a Baptist group that said, really, this is not actually about fasting at all. We don't recommend that Christians should fast. And I thought, that's going in the trash. Because Jesus said, some things can only be accomplished through two things. And what were those two things? Prayer and fasting. And so I believe that God's people are to fast. I believe, that's not be fast, okay? That doesn't mean I need to preach quicker or your Sunday school teacher not needs to talk so slow. But I believe one of the reasons the church sees very little of the power of God is because God's people don't fast. Now that's a direct accusation against you and me. When was the last time you said, Lord, I'm going to skip uh, breakfast every day this week in that 17 minutes that I eat or 7 minutes or 38 minutes, whatever it is, I'm going to do nothing but read my Bible and pray and seek your face. I hope that it's been recently. But if I was a betting man, and I am not, I would say it's probably been a while. When was the last time you said, Lord, I'm going to get along with you for one whole day and I'm not going to eat anything? I'm not going to be on my devices. I'm just going to spend time praying and fasting and God just enjoying your company. You know what happens to me? I do really good during breakfast, right? I don't think about biscuits and gravy and bacon and sausage at all. About 11 o'clock, I start thinking, boy, I tell you what, the buffet's on at Ferris. I could hit that. I could make two trips and be happy. I do okay. About 4 o'clock, I start thinking, Lord, I would eat vegetables at this point. I would. And so it would be, be so surprised how many times about 8.30 that night, I'm like, Lord, I need to be focusing on you, but I'm so focused on food, it's useless. I might as well eat. I'm guilty. And I do believe this passage of Scripture is not just about fasting. It's about your heart and the motivation behind why you do what you do. Because what happened was these individuals knew that if you fasted, you looked very spiritual. And so they would make themselves look awful. Right? Like they hadn't slept in days. Kind of like a, <laughs> I, was, I was talking to a new mom today. She brought her older kids and she, and, uh, she said, the new one's not sleeping, you can tell. I said, first of all, I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb. I am not answering that question, okay? And, uh, uh, but she had brought her older child to Awana. Praise the Lord for that. And, and, uh, uh, but she looked like she was a new mom, right? Had a new baby at home, and, and the crumb picker was not sleeping. And, you know, you've seen that look. And, and some of you have seen my wife like that for a decade now. But uh, hopefully those days are over. Okay, and it's this idea of everybody notices something wrong with you, right? Man, I seen you coming from a mile away, and you look like you got beat with the ugly stick, right? And you got hit hard. What's wrong with you? What happened to you? And they would do that, and they would stroll into the temple and be like, Oh, I've fasted for days. I'm so famished. Oh, I, I'm just so overwhelmed. And Jesus said, Look up here, you've got your reward. But if you really want to see the power and blessing of God, he says, don't let people know you're fasting. Don't let people know you're praying. Act like everything's fine, normal. You say, Jake, that's being a hypocrite. That's being two-faced. You, you ought to just be transparent all the time. If the Lord said, don't let people know, guess what he wants you to do? Don't let people know. You say, well, Jake, I just don't agree with that. I don't care if you agree with it or not. That's what the Lord said. Because when you're right with God, it won't care 
you will not care who sees you do what you're supposed to do. It's that simple. You say, Jake, I just really like for people to think I'm a good Christian person. That's great. You should. Your testimony should matter to you. You, people should know that you're a church-going, Bible-believing, born-again Christian. You, they ought to know that about you. But you ought not have to stroll through town telling everybody, I'm on my way to church. You know you're spiritual if you go out and listen to him because it's a suffrage every time. Right? I, I even go to, to, to Gary Browling's Sunday school class, and, and, he, and he's a good teacher, but he's not really exciting. I'm just kidding. But that's how people are. I went on a mission trip. Almost lost my life 17 times in East St. Louis. And uh, that's how people are. And Jesus says, you have ruined all the rewards that God wanted to give you. He says, do what you do with the right heart for the right reason. And he says, God will openly reward you. Tonight, I want you to think about that. How much of what churches do falls under the category of number one? And we've seen the results. I talked this morning about celebrating the things that God does. That little boy <laughs> that was saved this morning, it wasn't because I'm humorous. It wasn't even because my sermon was short today. It was a little longer than usual. It wasn't because it was relevant to him in the sense of being creative on my account. But the Spirit of God began to convict him and began to draw him. And friends, you can't pay for that. You can't buy it. You can't manifest it. We weren't in vacation Bible school. I didn't have a great big trash can up here and say, I'm going to throw a match in there and it's on fire. Is that where you want to spend eternity? Turn or burn. No, the Spirit of God began to work in his heart, in his life, and he says, Dad, I don't want to go up there with that ugly guy, but I'll, I want to get saved. You see, friends, that's something that God does that we ought to celebrate, that we ought to shout about, that we ought to be happy about, because it shows us something that God is not done using this place. And friends, I want you to know, when God stops using this place and you start relying on you and me, it's going to be a sad day. It'll be a sad day when this building begins to look like a funeral home rather than a place of worship and so tonight I challenge you what have you seen in your life that God is doing that he gets all the credit you say Jake I tell you what I, I've got a relationship with my uh, family members that I never thought I'd have a relationship with God mended those relationships and brought those back together friends that's a God thing because I can't even get along with myself most of the time Friends, you say, well, Jake, I, I never dreamed I'd see so-and-so here on a Sunday morning. I never dreamed I'd see on a, on a Sunday morning someone singing and praising God during the worship service. Those are God things. And friends, it should motivate us to recognize that the reason of the blessings of God is, one, because God is good. But two, the, the Bible-believing Christians of old used to do two things. They used to pray and they used to what? Fast. 
and many of the blessings we see today is because of Bible-believing Christians in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and hopefully the 90s who have fasted and prayed and begged God and pleaded with God and God has honored those requests. My challenge is to you. Now, I don't know what 2030 will look like. I hope the rapture happens and we're not here. But when we start talking about the blessings of the 30s or even the 40s, I asked someone today, can you imagine working on the 250-year book? She goes, I'd be 91 years old. I said, your grandma lived to be 92. Let's shoot for it. One lady said, I'll be 100 or something. I don't think I'll be here. But friends, what if God leaves this place here and, and some qualified man is standing up here in three decades saying, we're watching God continue to save. We're watching God continue to heal. And we're watching God continue to work. I'm so thankful for those believers in 2020 and 2021 who fasted and prayed. It's kind of like the idea that missionaries, as we send them out, we're their anchor where we give and we pray and we support. Friends, that goes for the future as well. If you will sow, you will what? Now, that's a pretty simple concept. And so if we are going to be sowing, fasting, prayer, seeking the Lord's face, what are we going to reap? God at work. In the lives of people. Second thing I want to show you not to be swayed by tonight. Is the love of things. The love of things. Look what it says here in verses 19 to 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. For lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. This week I had the oil change in my wife's uh, church van. And... Uh, as the oil change place brought it, they brought out a, about a 2010, 2011 Chevy extended cab pickup truck. And they left it here while they went and took my wife's church van to get an oil change. And if you know anything about me, there is one vehicle I have, I have envied over for decades. It is all of you who have new Chevy pickup trucks that are extended cabs. And I looked out and I thought, well, where's the Buick they usually bring? Right? I'm not tempted by that at all. I got plenty of junk at home to drive. I don't need another one. And so I, I called out there and said, hey, are you guys going to bring that van back or do I need to bring this truck back? And they said, oh, you just bring it back. And I thought, they know. They know. It's like my weakness at a buffet. They put it out there and I, it's there. So I got in that truck. It had like 190,000 miles on it, but it didn't matter. I backed out, got down to the intersection, and I thought, I could see me in this, right? 
I got out on the road, drove into town, and people's looking like, oh, look at that good-looking black truck. I'm going, what's up? You know, just, I, I can see myself in the mirror. I look like a fool. Got my hand up like this, like I did when I was about 19, driving through town. What's up? What's up? You know. Now, I know you guys are sold. You don't remember, but it's a thing. You used to have your horse and buggy, right? You know, right? No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's all fun to you make an Amish joke. But anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I pulled out there to, before I get my oil changed and walked in. I said, I think someone did this on purpose. I want one of these. And the Spirit of the Lord said, you don't need one of them. And I said, but everyone else has got one of them. The Lord said, you don't need one of them. So I got in my wife's church van and drove home, you know. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a truck. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, I've seen how obsessed I get over junk, let alone if I had something nice. And what the Lord says here is be careful not to store up your treasures on this earth. There's nothing wrong with God's blessing and material things. But when your love for that becomes more important than the love you have for the things of God, you have failed. I tell you what, I'm going to tell a story, and she's gone on to be with glory and, and, and be in glory, and so is Brother Carl. But Sister Jan used to tell me, she goes, I get so mad at Brother John. I said, what? She goes, every time I save money for a new couch, she said, I'll get $300 saved, I'll get $400 saved. She goes, I'll get right there, almost have enough money for a brand new couch. You know what Brother John says? You know, we've got a mission trip. We've got a missionary. We've got someone in need. And the Lord every single time lays it on my heart to give that money. And I remember when she was out at the hospital the night, all of us deacons went out there and prayed for, um, uh, I, I can't remember if it was that night or the next night, I said, Jan, do you think you're ever going to get that couch? Just trying to cheer her up, you know. I don't have a personality, so I try to use humor to cover it up. And I said, Jan, you think you're ever going to get that chair? And she said, I don't think I'm ever going to get a new couch. I think the Lord's just going to keep laying it on my heart to give it away. And in that moment, that lady taught me, that's how it's supposed to be. Save for what you want. Store it up, I guess. But when the Lord says, let it go, you better let it go. Because what will happen is whatever you're saving for, whatever you're accumulating for, whatever you're stockpiling for, God says that becomes the idol and it'll motivate you to do what you do. And so tonight I want to challenge you. Don't let the things of this world motivate you. Don't get so serious and so focused on accumulating things that you miss what God is trying to do in your life. I think it's interesting here because it talks about the eye. And if you read through this chapter, it seems like a funny place to put something, right? It's, it's don't, put, don't worry about possessions. It goes on down in the next few verses and says, don't, try, don't, don't, don't worry. But right here in the middle is this issue of the eye. And I believe it is because of this. James talks about one little part of your body that if you cannot control, you're in big trouble. And that's the what? The tongue. And he, I believe he is specifically talking about the eye, and it is because of this. What you are looking at, what you are focusing on, what is the, 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 the focal point of your life is what what? It begins to be your motivation, right? If you begin to, to look at, uh, boy, I, I, wish I, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. 
And the longer you look at it, it reveals what's really in your heart. You see, I believe we as Christians need to get back to focusing on the things of God. That means in our marriage. That means in our church. That means in every area of our life. And so it's this idea that a good eye produces results. Right? You can see where you're going. You can see what you need. How many of you can see worse now than you used to see? Anybody? Okay, at least you're honest about that. How many of you will admit that you see worse now than you used to? I, uh, I love to read things about this far away from me. Not that I have to. I just like to make fun of old people. So I'll be like, can you read that? But some of you do that. You go out to Dollar General and you buy a $2 pair of glasses, right? And you run around and act like it's helping you. But what you're really doing is just denying the inevitable. Go see your eye doctor. Let him give you a prescription. Let him show you that the consequences of sin are finally taking a toll on your body. But we ignore it. And as Christians, I believe the number one thing that hinders a lot of what God wants to do in our life is we're not focused on what he wants. We're focused on other things. How many of you have ever been focused on something and someone has asked you a question? And you said, sure, whatever you want. Husbands, listen up here. We'd love to remodel the, the kitchen, wouldn't you? We're watching television. Oh, that sounds like that would be a great idea, dear, whenever you want. Do you care how much we spend? No, dear, whatever, whatever you think. That's not a problem. You want to start today? Yeah, whatever you think, dear, however you want. And you wait and say, wait a second. What just happened? I've just been swindled, right? You were focused on something else. And most of us, the Spirit of God is at work. The Spirit of God is at work in your marriage. The Spirit of God is at work in this church. The Spirit of God is at work in this community. And most of us are so busy focusing on other things that we miss it. We miss it. And so today I hope that you'll take your focus off things and put them on Jesus. And the last thing is this. Don't be swayed by the opinions of men. Don't be swayed by a love of things and put your trust in the one who can provide. Look what it says here in verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. If not life more than food and the body more than clothing, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Did you notice it doesn't say there? He's talking about birds, but he says your. Why? Because the Lord is the Lord of all. And if God provides for animals that are not as significant, God will provide for you who has a soul, who is his child. Are you not of more value than they which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. 
For your heavenly Father knows that you need all things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Not only are we to be swayed, not by other things, we are to not lose focus of the God who provides for us. God spends seven chapters, seven verses through the writer Matthew reminding you that God knows what you need. He knows you need food. Some of us need less probably than what we're intaking. He knows you need clothing. He knows what you need. He just got done talking about don't store up your treasure. He just got done talking about don't worry about the opinions of men. Why? Because what gives us trouble? What other people think about us? What kind of stuff we want? And how are we going to pay for it? Friends, God wants you to know that he knows your need. Whether your need is physical tonight, whether your need is spiritual tonight, whether your need is financial tonight, God knows it. And he has provided in every way for you to have what you need. I, uh, I uh, don't claim to be extremely healthy, as you know, uh, but there was a time in my life when I was fairly healthy. Uh, played sports, not ever very well. Um, I always think I'm better than I am, and you can ask the Monday night guys that that I think I am better than I am. But I've never really had any health trouble, right? You know, I mean, a little overweight, not enough hair, but for the most part, I'm pretty healthy. And so most of you know, uh, back in September, I woke up one day and had, uh, had lost the hearing in, in one ear, uh, ringing, dizziness, uh, all of those things. And, um, and so it's, uh, it's been an interesting few months. And uh, it's been a humbling time. Uh, it's been a humbling time because uh, uh, things that used to seem like no big deal uh, are a big deal. The, the fact that sitting in worship, singing and praising the Lord is, uh, is now a, a great challenge. And so uh, listening to my children, having conversations with my wife, <laughs> uh, standing up here preaching, I find myself holding on to this a lot more so that I don't tumble down there and you think I've died. And, um, and so... Uh, Many of you have been praying for me, and I appreciate that uh, greatly. And uh, I go in two weeks to get hearing aids. And, um, and, uh, and so that's a, about a three-month process that's not going to work, but it's necessary to fulfill the requirements for insurance and things like that. And, and the vanity in me said, well, those won't even be the cool ones that are hidden. They're going to be trials. I mean, they're going to look like something you would see in the 1980s Star Wars movie, right? It's going to be like, I'm wearing earmuffs. And uh, the doctor uh, uh, said that it'll get worse before it gets better uh, due to the fact that sound bothers me. But uh, uh, then in June, I'll go back for the possibility of having some surgery and, and hopefully uh, get making things better. Um, but he said it'll, it'll never be as good as it once was. And... Uh, that's caused me to think a lot about, boy, I wish I would have paid a little more attention, right? Uh, I wish I wouldn't have taken for granted some of the things that I have taken for granted of. It could have been much worse. Uh, it could have been ear cancer. Or it could have been 
uh, very, very uh, significant, and so we're thankful that everything is, is benign and, and things like that. But it's one of those moments where you, you take for granted what you've always had. And so it has taught me, uh, Jake, you need to be more appreciative of things, right? Uh, you need to be more thankful for things. But yet, even when something is taken from you, the Lord what? Provides. And so I, I, I challenge you tonight that if you're not careful, the things that you worship the most, the things that become what motivates you, when they become an idol to you, that God can take them away from you. And so tonight I challenge you, whether your situation is physical, maybe it's relationships, maybe you've lost a relationship with someone that you thought never could have been broken. A friendship, a, a companionship that, that you never thought could be tore apart, but is tore apart. God can put it together, but be thankful that God never tears apart His relationship with you and I. You say, Jake, I, I don't have as much money as I would like. I, I would like more. You know, if God thought you could be trusted with more, He'd give you more. You say, well, that's very rude. It's just the way it is. You know why God doesn't give me more? I'll be running through the streets just throwing it away, I'm sure. But that God knows what we need. And so be thankful with what you have. Tonight, my challenge to you is not to have all the answers, not to, to have everything figured out, but be willing to evaluate the motivations of your heart. You say, Jake, you just talked about evaluating ourselves this morning during the Lord's Supper. And you talked about our motives when we have integrity. If I knew you were going to preach the same sermon twice, I'd have just came once. You know why sometimes a sermon sounds so similar? Because you're not listening. Or I'm not listening. And so tonight, please don't shut it off as I've heard this before. I know all this. Tonight, my prayer is that the Spirit of God would do to you tonight what He did to Grant this morning. That he'd speak to your heart about your marriage, your finances, your relationship with him. And you would leave here saying, Lord, I don't always follow like I should. But I know why I do what I do. And it's because I love you. And so tonight, pray with me. Father, we thank you so very, very much for your word. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and, and abundance and blessings. And Lord, tonight I pray. I pray for each individual in this place tonight. That you would convict them. <laughs> Lord, I know you could do it because we saw it this morning. Lord, tonight I pray for each family. That, Lord, they would evaluate and repent and seek your face for their heart and life. Lord, I pray for this church. God, that you would give us a focus on you. On pleasing you. Honoring you in everything that we do. From how we talk about one another to how we spend your money, to how we spend our time, Lord, that it's all about you. And Father, tonight I thank you for this group of people who are here and those that would like to be but can't. And Father, I pray that you do a great and mighty work and that you, Lord, would get all the credit. And Father, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.